Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Almost horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. ADD Jeff. Fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Say! Bottom. Yes, I'm the bottom. I'm the ass. It's the Adam Sank Show. We're back. Today is Sunday, August 20th. We are in a newly air-conditioned studio. Thank you, Romaine <laughs> Patterson. Uh-huh. It took a little while, but Romaine came through for us. You should tweet, Romaine is the best, hashtag ass, hashtag AC. Because we have it, and it's um, it's not perfect. Do we really have it? Well, it's... <laughs> Do we really? <laughs> it smells terrible for some reason. Um, it smells a bit like an old camel in the studio, and it you doesn't... You have to put ice in the damn thing. Yeah, well, it's it's a... Listen, it's a portable air conditioner, which means it's got no um, flow from the outside world. <sighs> and most portable air conditioners, you have to drain constantly. Yeah. And this one, I don't know if that's the case, but, but I guess you don't have to. So listen, it's better than it was. Today's also a rather cool August day in New York City. There's a high of, like, 80 today. Um, so, um, so yeah, we're, we're living with it. We're dealing with it. We're here. We're coming at you. Don't call us. This is a pre-recorded show. We have to do those sometimes. It's the only way we can make the ass work. We try to keep the ass as fresh as possible, Jeff. We, yes. We do. Sh- yes, we do shit regularly, but, um, but sometimes it's pre-recorded and sometimes it's live and you never know what it's going to be until you hear us or you see it on Facebook, one or the other. Anyway, um, we have a lot of news to talk about. Some of this is old news. It's been around for a few weeks, but we didn't get to it on previous shows because we've had so many things to talk about and so many great guests, and I would rather, you know, have more time for the guests. Of course. And some of these stories, they're evergreen. We can talk about them anytime. So one of the things that happened a few weeks back, uh, I should ask Jeff first, have you ever purchased a hooker on RentBoy.com, Jeff? <laughs> Not on RentBoy, but on Craigslist, sure. Really? Yeah, I've done that. Why Craigslist? Oh, they're cheaper. Mm. But I would feel like Rent Boy is more uh, sort of safer. Like you know what you're getting. You can read other people's reviews. They're on a quote-unquote legitimate website. I mean, I suppose. I just usually go for the massage anyway. You know the massage that turns into a little slip and slide? I guess. I've heard. As I've said before, I don't pay for anything. Okay. If, if I can possibly help it. This is gay. Yes, it is. And it's uh, it's illegal, which is why Jeffrey Harant, the former CEO of the now shuttered RentBoy.com website, uh, was sentenced to six months in prison for promoting prostitution. Um, he pleaded guilty, telling the district judge, Margaret Brody, um, that he had actually improved conditions for sex workers. 
Judge Brody ignored the letters from Rent Boy users who praised Harant's website, <laughs> saying she just couldn't ignore the illegal activities that grossed him almost ten million dollars. Wow! In five years, that motherfucker made ten million dollars peddling I mean, ass. As long as he paid taxes on it, I guess six months is a pretty light sentence. Well, I think he did pay taxes. But uh, but what the judge said is, what I have before me is two decades of committing a crime and of Mr. Harant knowing he's committing a crime. He's been ordered to pay a $7,500 fine and forfeit any profits from the site. That's oh. the big punishment. In addition to the six-month jail sentence, he was quoted as saying, I believe that consensual sex work between adults should be decriminalized and destigmatized, but that hasn't happened yet. My business was ultimately illegal, but it shouldn't have been. We must fearlessly fight for the rights to allow consensual adults, adults to choose what they do with their bodies. I agree with that 100%. At the same time, the law is the law. Right. If you want to change a law, then you have to work to change it. You have to organize. You have to protest. You have to um, create a campaign to put pressure on our political leaders, as people are doing right now with marijuana and prison sentencing reform and other issues. Um, you can't just break the law and say, well, it was a bad law. The other thing I'm thinking is this is this is a, a white guy, right? Mm -hmm. If a black guy was pimping out hoes and made $10 million, he'd get a hell of a lot more than six months in prison. Uh, he would probably have been shut down long before Rent Boy ever was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel bad for her rent, but if we're talking about justice, he got off pretty fucking he did easy. Get off pretty easy. Um, and I do feel bad mostly for the 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 men who used rentboy.com to sell themselves because one of them is our friend Jay who we've had on the show our right. trans sex worker friend I do think prostitution is a victimless crime I think it is it does make things safer to have a site like rentboy for both the the hustlers and the johns but as I said the law is the law and uh let's change it but if you break it you're going to get fucking in trouble for it and you're going to lose 10 million dollars that's a 10 lot million dollars i mean that just shows you how fucking horny gay guys are does he have to give back all the profits he made over the the years or only the remaining profits that are left after legal fees and court cases and i mean cause yeah it's a good question i don't know how that works it just says um it just says any profits from his site have hmm. to be forfeited and where does that money go? Does that just go to the state? I know. They that's just throw themselves a big pizza party with that $10 million? Anyhow, so that's what's happening with Rent Boy. Um, another story that caught my eye a few weeks back was on QueerTea.com, which is a website I both love and hate. <laughs> QueerTea runs the dumbest stories, and they, the, they have the most douchey commenters of any gay website there anytime there's a story about someone who's hiv positive the, the comments are so hideous they're like those fucking people deserve it stay they should stay away from me it's like are you fucking kidding me you're right. gay and it's 2017 and this is how posphobic you are but anyway um this was a story that i thought was hilarious and the headline is landlord pleads guilty to using tenant's apartment as secret gay hookup pad that's outrageous 39-year-old Carlos Quijada Lara of Colorado Springs, Colorado, pleaded guilty to criminal trespassing and misdemeanor obscenity after having gay sex in the apartment, in the bed, of his tenants, 
newlyweds Logan Pierce and Michaela DiGiulio. They were a straight couple that were renting an apartment from him. They set up a security camera after they suspected that someone was sneaking into their apartment while they were out. And uh, one afternoon, the man, Pierce, received an alert on his phone saying that uh, the system had detected noise in his apartment. <laughs> and so he turns on the camera and he sees his landlord on his bed, in his bed, having sex with another man. And uh, let's hear about uh, what that was like for him. It's like a total violation of privacy. Just to have somebody come in unannounced is enough, but like, and then go forth with sleeping with somebody on your bed while you're not there. It was scary. And Logan says the worst part of it all is what the two used as a towel to clean up. His wife's wedding dress. <laughs> See how upset she immediately got because she was the one that realized that's what that was. And uh, they just threw it back and now now that's gone because the, uh, the authorities took it for DNA evidence. Wow. <laughs> that part of the story I had not heard. <laughs> that's the best part. That is so the best part. This is, that was from a local t television station in Colorado Springs. So um, apparently the wife's... They, they were newlyweds and the wife's wedding dress was just lying... In a pile of laundry near the bed. Now, why it was lying in a pile of laundry is a, is a question right. for the ages. Because most women, from what I understand, when you would take off your wedding dress, you either put it right into storage or you get it professionally cleaned and right. then you you know keep it in a very safe place or you sell it or donate it. You don't just have it hanging by the bed with like your, your sheets and your towels. Right. And also, if you're fucking... In someone else's room that you're not supposed to be in. <laughs> and there's a pile of laundry from which to choose your cum rag. Right. Why would you choose the wedding gown? The white wedding dress. It just seems like so hard to believe and very careless. But needless, needless to say, the couple was not pleased about that. Um, also, he used, Kihada Lara used another garment to wipe up a lube stain on the sheets, according to the police report. Um, Pierce and his wife gave the footage to the Colorado Springs Police Department along with the wedding dress itself, as we just heard in the soundbite. They, soundbite, they had to test it uh, for DNA evidence, <laughs> of which there was a lot. Wow. Uh, police charged Quijada Lara with criminal trespassing and misdemeanor obscenity. That seems like a bullshit law, misdemeanor obscenity, yeah. because he basically made a homemade porn. Last week, he agreed to a plea bargain and will be sentenced... In September, the couple says they've since moved out of the apartment. Did they keep the bed? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm do you th burn that bed? Or do I'm you thinking keep it? they left that bed by the side For of the him. road. Uh, they, yeah. they sent it to his apartment before they left. They say the saddest part of the situation was losing the wedding dress. I'm not sure they had to move. I think you know. Yes, you have just to. Just because move. gay sex happened in your in your bed, you as as you point out, Jeff, you can just buy a new bed. Well. I don't think that that's what he was worried about. He was worried about the violation of privacy. People going into his apartment without his well, knowledge. Well, it's not going to happen again. It's not like, you know... How do you know? <laughs> Once your landlord breaks into your apartment and has gay sex, the likelihood of that happening again, it, that's like being struck by lightning twice. Like, it's a pretty unusual event. It's not like there's something so enticing about that apartment that makes gay guys want to fuck in it. Well... You know? I mean, it's not like they were living above a gay bathhouse or something. Hmm. Anyway, I thought that story was hilarious. Here's another hilarious st story out of Fort Lauderdale. Um, I find most hilarious news stories do come out of South Florida. Um, a man 
robbed a Fort Lauderdale bank and then ran down the street naked, throwing cash in the air after the dye pack that was implanted with the cash exploded on him, and later told investigators he was, quote, trying to begin his career as a comedian. That's a, a pretty tricky way to get started. Well, it did get him in the papers, and I have yeah. to say, I've been doing stand-up for 14 years, and any publicity is helpful. Uh, his name is Alexander Hayden Sperber. He's 25 years old, and he was arrested several weeks back for robbing the Regions Bank in Fort Lauderdale. He approached a teller, said he had a gun, demanded that the money be put into a bag. The teller gave him 7500 bucks, which if you're going to buy, a, if you're going to rob a bank, like... Take it all. Ask for more than right. 75. That's, you know, where, how far is that going to get you? But the teller also included the dye pack. He fled the bank on foot, but the dye pack exploded a short time later, getting red dye all over his clothing, hand, and a cast on his wrist. Jesus. <laughs> it's some kind of injury. Um, and then ran down the street naked, throwing the money into the air. Witnesses who captured the scene on camera said he was throwing out $150 bills. Uh, witnesses thought they saw a mental patient. <laughs> he was hospitalized and later booked into jail uh, where he was being held without bond, according to the most recent reports. So basically, uh, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the whole story. So basically, don't rob a bank. Not to start your comedy career. To start, yeah, I, don't, I still don't I get how the comedy was, career figures into I it. I think that that was his excuse once he got caught or once the dye pack went off. Right. People thought he was mental. He said, might as well go crazy and say I'm going into comedy. Right. In other words, he was just looking for any kind of excuse he could use. Like, oh, this would be a hilarious thing to tell on stage exactly. by the time I robbed a bank. You know, uh, in New York City, at least, bank robberies are extremely common, and they're usually, they don't involve any kind of violence. What happens is these guys walk into banks and they just hand the teller a note that says, give me $100,000 or whatever. And the tellers are trained to just give them whatever they ask for to avoid getting shot or someone else getting shot. They don't even have to produce a weapon most times. Right. And um, it's a real problem. And, you know, there, there are, obviously there's massive security cameras and surveillance these days in and around all buildings, but especially banks. And they usually catch these guys, but it's a huge pain in the ass for the cops because they're constantly having to chase down these, these bank robbers. Where'd you find this out? Um, I remember doing this story on eyewitness news when I was a producer, mm -hmm. smarty pants I was just asking. for the 11 o'clock news for WABC here in New York city. Um, but you can, if you just watch local news in New York, almost every night there's a bank robbery. Mm. And it's almost always without any visible weapon. People right. just hand a note. And, well, that I believe. And the criminals know that they will, that they'll just get the money and hope that they don't get a die pack and that they can somehow get away with it. But um, usually they can't. So don't rob banks, people. Just sell your body. <laughs> on Rent Boy. On Rent Boy. Or on, on Craigslist. Rent Man. And then you can meet Jeff, who buys hookers on Craigslist. <laughs> this is gay. How many times do you think you've met hookers on Craigslist? Uh, two or three. And was the situation like it was late at night and you were drunk and tired and didn't yeah. you wanted sex but you didn't feel like going out to a bar or something? Yeah. And how were the experiences for you? They were, I mean, they were good because, again, I was getting the massage first and then one of them actually didn't end up in sex and I was disappointed and then the other two did, uh, but they were good. So, yeah, I was, I was fine with that. I mean, I just would be so afraid to have like a stranger come to my house one of them didn't advertise that he was 
a, a prostitute, basically. Didn't say, like, generous men or something. And he came to the house, and we finished the deed. I thought we were just having sex. I thought it was just a regular Craigslist hookup. And he, uh, he then demanded money. And I was like, your ad didn't say anything about money. He's like, yes, it did. I showed him his ad. I was like, here's your ad. Nothing about generous, nothing about money, nothing about roses. And I picked up the phone, and I said, like, I'm going to call the cops if you don't get the hell out of my apartment. That was the only bad thing that ever happened. You're lucky you didn't wind up dead. I know. Craigslist killer. Um, I want to talk about one other story before we talk to our special celebrity guest today. And I can't believe I didn't mention this at the top of the hour, but our guest today is going to be Wilson Cruz, the iconic actor, activist, and just all around beautiful, beautiful man who I've been in love with for the past 25 years. We'll be talking to us uh, on the phone about his career and all of his upcoming projects. But first, I want to talk about something very important, which is that gay dolphins have been discovered off the coast of Western Australia. <laughs> this is audio, actual audio of the gay dolphins frolicking in the surf. Go ahead and play it again, JB. Really? <laughs> The idea was that it was going to keep playing while I tell the story, but that's okay. Researchers in Australia are looking to get to the bottom of the mystery. <laughs> they recently observed big groups of dolphins. Bottom. Yes, engaging in what appears to be homosexual behavior. A team from the Mandora Dolphin Research Project in Western Australia noticed that the male dolphins started spending quality time together after their mating season was over. Ass open to the wind. Stick it in. Here I am. I don't know that dolphins actually have an ass, but these dolphins um, organized themselves into subgroups in which they were observed engaging in sociosexual behavior that included mounting, <laughs> like what happened with Jeff and his Craigslist hookers, and genital contact between the individuals. Quote, the subgroups joined, frequently forming a large group, and then splitting, splitting off into s different group compositions. It was basically a gay dolphin circuit party, Jeff. <laughs> They tell you, you know when you go like on those Atlantis cruises and you can pet the dolphins, they tell you that the dolphins are very erotic animals, and if your hand slips down too far, they get a little too excited. I never heard this before. Yes. Do they have like... They give you a speech. Do though. they have dicks, like human dicks? Uh, huge. Really? Yeah. They must be hidden most of the they time. They are. Because you hidden. don't see them hanging off. They said that's where you got to keep your hand away from, is the, the slit, because it comes out of the slit, and then, you know, next thing you know, the dolphin's chasing after you. Apparently, this is typical behavior seen in other bottlenose dolphin populations. Uh, the bottlenose is good for, for all kinds of sex play. Um, Bottom. This group has been studied extensively by scientists with researchers examining bisexual behavior, much like we see in Lexi and Aaron Carter. <laughs> Bisexuality Bisexuality is becoming more and more common. You know I'm sorry, Lexi, go ahead. You know what? What? Listen, leave bisexuals out of this, okay? Listen, I am happy to be a bisexual, and so is Eric Carter. And so are the Let dolphins. us be free. His name's Aaron Carter. But yes, Aaron Lexi, Carter. we take your message and we applaud it. Thank you. We applaud Let that message. Let me be free. Just you are free. free. You suck Let that dick free. and you lick that pussy, Lexi. Yup, and I do it well. It's all about you. All right, on that note, we are going to welcome our fabulous celebrity guest who made a gigantic splash over 20 years ago when he became the first openly gay teenage character on television. Let's listen to what that was like. Uh, Delia? Um, 
Maybe we should um go somewhere sometime. Okay. You know, like uh to a, a movie or something. I'd like that. Because um I I really think we'd be good together. Okay. But um you're gay, right? Well, I you know, I Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. No, it's it, it's okay. That came out so rude. No, see, I I try not to um, no, I I I don't like uh. Yeah. I'm gay. I just don't usually say it like that. How do you usually say it? I don't usually say it. <laughs> I mean, I've. Actually, never said it out loud. Wow. And joining us on the phone out loud is Wilson Cruz, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Wilson, welcome to the ass. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so thrilled to have you finally on the show. I've been trying to get you on my show for weeks, and I've been trying know, to get you, and I've been trying to get you in my bed for years. <laughs> So one out of two ain't bad. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Wilson, we just... <laughs> now there's pressure on me. Wilson, we just yeah. we just played a clip from uh, that your iconic uh, portrayal of Ricky on My So-Called Life. And it's been you know two decades since then. And I'm wondering how many young gay people have come up to you since then and, and said to them, that said to you that, that you were the reason that they found the courage to come out. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, yes, a lot of people. But um, what's interesting about that is, and I was just talking about this with a friend of mine, when the show first came out, you know, I would hang out with the other, some of the other actors from the show, and people would come up to Claire and come up to, you know, Devin or, or AJ, and nobody really came up to me at the time. And I always, I, you know, I was always like a little envious, right, of the other people on the show. Uh, and a few years passed, and I was old, and you know, I, I, I was out and about. And uh, it wasn't until I was about 25 or 26 when people would actually come up to me and at the at the bars or you know at a club or something, and say, you know, oh my God, you know, that that character helped me so much. And what I came to realize was, who was the people who were coming up to Claire and AJ and all and Jared were teenage kids. Um, and so a teenage kid wouldn't come up to me, right, with their parents to talk, to, to say thank you, because they weren't necessarily comfortable having that conversation, and it wasn't until years later that I really got an idea of what that character meant to people, and, and now, you know, 25 years later, it's, it's become even more apparent, and it's ne it never gets old, it, it's I'm always incredibly moved by people's personal stories and how, you know, a character on a TV show helped them through a difficult time. That's always amazing to me. And it's what you kind of want from your, from your career. It's that opportunity. And to have started my career in that place, I, 
I'm humbled and grateful for it, honestly. That's a long answer to your very short question. No, it was a good answer. It, it, you know, my so-called life was such a beautiful, special show for me, and I know for countless others. It's, I really consider it one of the best television programs of all time. When you first got the script and you were talking to your agent, I mean, here you're just starting out your, your career and you're not known on a national level yet. Was there were, was there any fear? Was there any terror as a gay man playing a gay role, the the first gay role for for a teenager ever on television? Um, fear? No, I don't think the word is. I don't think that's the right word. You know, not a, and, and I'm not saying this to you know to pat myself on the back in any way, but. It, I'm, I'm saying it because of, I, I think we need to remember exactly where we were in this in this moment in history, which is... We're talking about 1994. Ricky, 1994. Not only was Ricky Vasquez the first gay teen, gay teen on television, he was the first, the first regular series openly gay character on prime time. That's right. Like... We didn't even have we didn't even have that yet. We didn't have right, a, there was, an adult, there were, let alone our teenager. There was no Will so, and Grace. There was no queer as right. folk. The you, you know we had guest stars. We had you know you know, but never a series regular who was played by an openly gay person and playing an openly gay role. So, you know, it, it, the the fear it wasn't fear. It was um, for me. It was like I knew that I knew I wanted to be out. I knew I would be out in playing this character and I thought it was important that I that I be out at the time um, it was it was there was excitement and there was there was a, a hesitation you know because you know it was unknown kind of what 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 would ha- what would happen and um, you know afterwards after the show so um, but I also knew at the time and this is true that I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to live my life happily otherwise, right? Like I, I, did, I couldn't picture myself living a closeted life. Uh, that's not what I wanted for myself. So I wanted to be able to be an actor and do what I love, but I also wanted to be able to live my life yeah. in, an, in an honest way. And so I, I made a decision. Well, and I think you also... And also, I thought it was important for young people to know that this person playing that role also understood what it meant to be him and how, you know, what it meant to be a, a teenager, a gay teenager in high school. So and I, I, I felt like we needed that at the time. I think that also you proved everyone wrong in the sense that the, you know, the, the, the thinking at the time was you can't be a successful actor in Hollywood if you A, play gay or B, come out as gay. Um, you know, th- it would wreck your career. And you went on to do everything you know you were you were on so many television shows and on so many films and still are one of the busiest working actors in Hollywood and so long before Neil Patrick Harris or Wentworth Miller or any of the others came out I think you kind of were were like fuck that I'm gonna be an actor I'm gonna be a gay actor and play both gay roles and straight roles and be successful I think you I think you really were like a tremendous pioneer in that Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Um, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't with a. With, it, there was hustle involved. Trust me and believe me when I say that. It wasn't like, it. it you know, it wasn't. Easy. I wasn't digging ditches. 
it wasn't digging ditches, you know, let's keep that in mind. I wasn't, you know, I love what I do, but it was, it was a, uh, it was a hustle, man. You know, you know, getting in those rooms after my so-called life and proving myself as an actor, like that I wasn't just this one, one note thing, which is the reason why I went, to, why I went and did rent pretty like a couple of years after that, you know, I wanted to, I needed to prove my bona fides, if you will. Yeah. You know? um, and you did. I mean, who knew that you could sing and dance before Rent? Yeah, that's all I did before my so-called life, too. So, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I guess I'm really proud of that I'm still here, as the song says. But it, it wasn't without the help of a, a lot of people who, you know, took a risk on me and, it, and, and, and by the way, it wasn't just uh, dealing with homophobia, but, you know, finding roles for just a Latino on TV, you know, some of those years was, was an uphill climb. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud that I'm still here, for sure. And, but it, I also know that a lot of people helped me along the way. Sure. And for me, you've always been one of those, those actors where you always pop up in a movie or a TV show when I least expect you. And it's like always such a delightful <laughs> surprise. I remember watching Nixon and it's like, oh, there you are as J. Edgar Hoover's gay houseboy. And that was my very first job after my so-called life. What a great movie as your first job. Did you, was that fun? Yeah, it was my, oh, uh, yeah, yes, it was fun. Uh, you looked fucking hot in that movie. That was the first time I was like attracted to you because as Ricky, you know, you were a teenager and I was an adult and you weren't really a teenager, but you look like one. But when right. I saw you in Nixon, I was like, Oh, I'm Ricky's hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what I remember about that? Um, this is gay. First of all, Thank first you. of all, it was Oliver Stone. Like, you know, you're meeting like and working with Oliver Stone. Right. It's surreal. Not a shabby um, director for your first film. Right, exactly. And so, but the thing I remember most, and I don't know if it, this probably says a lot about me, is that the there was the hair person was like, oh, we have, because I had all this hair, and she was like, oh, cause we have to do something with this. And she, she cut my hair with a straight razor mm. and, like, gave me, like, waves. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> but, like, she literally, I don't know. I don't know why I remember that, but I just remember her. Did you like yeah, it? And I also... I did. I also remember, you know, the thing, the really memorable thing about this, I've never, I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this, but Oliver Stone and I got into a, a back and forth. You know, I was 21 years old. I had no business having an argument with Oliver Stone, or not, not, a, not an argument. I, I'll say a, a, a heated conversation with Oliver Stone um, about my, my, my costume, because when I showed up to the set, they had these like booty shorts, these white booty shorts and like this mesh Bottom. off the shoulder <laughs> white uh, top and like boat shoes. And I walked in and I, and I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> I, I am not going to wear that. Like, no, this is not what we agreed on. And so I, at the first, I called the first AD over and I was like, listen, I thought we had agreed that I'd wear like, you know, a waiter's uniform that's the shock is that this happens out of nowhere. If I, if I come walking down the steps in booty shorts, we know where this is going. Right. It's like, su um, it's like suddenly, suddenly you're Agador in the birdcage. Right. Right. And so not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, well. but that's not what we agreed on. So 
you know, he 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 apparently got on the talkie with Oliver Stone, and Oliver Stone came back to my trailer, and he was like, so get dressed. And I was like, yeah, but that's not what I said I would wear. And we went back and forth, and finally he just, he realized he was having an argument about a costume of some, you know, one line actor on his movie. And I was like, fine, just wear the waiter's uniform. But, you, <laughs> but I had to, like, wear him down. And you got your way, and I think it's good that you did, because I remember the scene so cle- so clearly. And, you know, the waiter's obviously gay, or the servant, whatever you were. You were some kind of houseboy. Yeah. And, and cl- yeah. clearly... You know, Jay Edgar's there with Clive, and, and they're obviously these old queens, and this is like their hot houseboy. It was all very clear and very obvious. You didn't need to push it over the top by wearing, like, a, a gay hooker outfit. Thank you for that. I really needed that. You're welcome. Anytime. Um, so we were we were talking about Nixon, and then I wanted to move on to the next time I was watching a movie where you popped up unexpectedly was Party Monster. Oh, my God, yeah. I, yeah, that was a trip. Party Monster is one of those Another movies thing. where I feel like at the time it didn't make such a splash, but it's become like a cult classic among LGBT people. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where every time it's on, I watch it. Did, was it. What was the experience like working on that film? Um, I, you know, I, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I really felt like um, I had a real responsibility because, you know, in the movie it's so much about the you know, the costumes and the, the kookiness of these people and, you know, the, I don't know, the, the, the tabloid-esque kind of aura that surrounds that story that I kind of wanted to make sure that we didn't lose sight of the fact that Angel was a real person who was murdered, who was a victim of a really heinous crime. And, um, yeah. and I wanted to make sure that we... We really honored that in some way. So I think of that. I know that sounds really factory, whatever. But that's, no, I it really doesn't. I, I mean, I think it sounds really human, and I think that does get lost in this story because we're all so sort of charmed by Michael Aleg and right. James St. James that we forget that, like, oh, a, a murder happened, and right. a family Which lost a family lost its son and brother and, and yeah, loved one. brother. Exactly. And I remember during the the murder scene, I I. I remember saying to Fenton and Randy, you know, I, this, this should look realistic. Like, it should be, it should feel really heinous. It should feel disgusting and scary. And, um, and they let me, you know, do that and go there. And I think, I think it helped a lot to, to ground it. Um, and then I think of the fact that that, that movie came up at a point in my life and career that was really rough. Like, I, I wasn't working. To be honest with you, I was not getting anything. Uh, it just wasn't, I wasn't bring, brought in and whatever. And, and I was hurting for money at the time. Sure. And not that, not that um, Party Monster was like a, a gold mine by any means. It was a very small budget independent film. But I remember John Marcus, uh, one of the producers, was so sweet. And he, I guess he felt, he could tell that I was going through it. And, He's like, let me know if you need anything. And, I, and I, I took him over to the corner and I was like, is there any way you can advance me part of this salary? Because I don't actually have any food, any money to, eat, to buy food with right now while I'm in New York. Isn't that and amazing? He a, and he cut me a check. Wow. He was very, and he didn't, think, he didn't even think twice about it. He was just like, yeah, give me like 20 minutes. 
I don't think people who aren't in show business understand this because they always, I think people think once you're on a TV show, like even if you just do one episode, let, let alone right. a whole series, then you're basically set for life. Or if you, or if you do one movie, no. you're set for life. And I don't think people realize that like even really successful actors who become famous have to keep working. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, it's ups and downs. It really is a roller coaster. It is a hustle. And every, I don't know anyone, any actor, uh, performer who ha- hasn't gone through a period where, it, you know, it was rough and you find your way back and you keep moving and you, you have to believe that, you, that it will get better and that you have the, the right stuff. Well, the great thing you know? about you is you've been famous for 25 years, but you're still young and hot. Uh, well thank you I guess I'm (laughs) when I was researching you for this interview I was like Wilson Cruz is two years younger than me how the fuck did that happen (laughs) you know and as long as you're younger than me you're a young person as far as I'm concerned (laughs) okay then we'll keep you around (laughs) but it's true though like you're you're still like young hot and sexy you can still take your shirt off on screen and look fucking awesome like that's pretty amazing for someone who's been around for 25 years and it's not like you started when you were 10, either. No, I did not. I was 19. Well, I was 16. But anyway, anyway, yeah, thank you. You know, and that <laughs> taking the shirt off on screen thing, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other, that's a full-time job, I feel like. <laughs> Have you ever been? I'm not kidding. I don't remember. Were you ever nude on Noah's Ark? Did you ever show any booty? No, they, we got close. I think there was, I remember one episode where, it was his birthday. It was Ricky's birthday, and like I had a bow. I was like in my in my underwear, and there was like a big red bow on my ass. It was hilarious. Um, I would like to see outtakes of that. Please. That was. A, oh, and there, oh wait, there was a, there was a, a sex scene between me and Ricky where I think he removes my underwear with his teeth. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Have you ever been nude well, nude on camera? Has, has there ever been a film where I you? I have not. Well, I've it, never been asked. I mean, that's crazy to me. Who wouldn't ask you? I've asked you just when I've run into you on the street. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I actually was, actually, I showed some booty. I did show some booty uh, in, I did this web series that my, my friend Sebastian Lacoste created called Hustling, which was amazing if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm going to now. And and we had a, a hot scene and I walked back into the bathroom. So it was just booty. If, if you, if, listen, don't be sorry about that. If, if a, a, a terrific script came along with like a legit director and they said, Wilson, you know, for this one scene, we want you to show everything. Would you do it? Yeah. So it must be nice. Because <laughs> my answer would, gay. my answer to that would be, hell no, I don't want to show my small dick on camera, but you must be uh, packing something if you're willing to show it. So should we talk about my current project? <laughs> I just wanted to see how far I could go with that line of conversation. I do want to talk about your current projects because they're hugely exciting. But first, I just have one more question about about oh, yeah. sort of your career thus far. You had mentioned feeling a responsibility um, both yeah. on my so-called life and in Party Monster and and. I'm thinking, you know, it's not only as an openly gay actor, but as a person of color, as a Latino actor, you know, you you represent people who are not always seen 
on TV and in film, and if they are, they're not characterized properly. You're 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 an actor. You're trying to give a good performance, but are you also always thinking like, I need to do this right. I need to to do this accurately. Mm, no, I mean I think I think uh, I think I've already had that conversation with myself once I've agreed to do it. Right, like right. when the when the part sh- shows up. You know, or even the audition shows up. I've already considered whether or not I want to do it, or if it's gonna. You know what I mean? Like, so by the time I'm on set and I'm doing it, I'm I'm already in. I'm committed. So I'm not really thinking about any of that. I'm thinking about making sure I'm being honest about who this person is. Right, because you can't get the politics into your head when you're trying to no. to just feel no. things and be real. In the end, you know, I'm an artist, right? And my art is to be as honest as possible in the moment as I can. And I can't be thinking about what other people are going to think about it. It's just, this is it. This is how, this is the, this is the truth. <laughs> There's no good or bad about it. It's right. just the truth. Do you read what, what people say on social media about you or do you just ignore all that? Oh my God. I think, you know, there was a point where a few years back where I, where I did, you know, I, I would I would see it, and now I'd make every attempt to stay as far away from it as... I mean, people are just Evil. heinous on the social media. Awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it's really gross. So, you know, I tell, I tell young people, you know, young, like the, the actors on 13 Reasons, I'm always like, just don't read the comments and don't Google yourself and, you know, because none of that is real. That's just people who are seeking attention and want to do it by being, you know, flippant with, with you. It is, a, it is a terrible modern phenomenon because I think in the old days, you know, if you wanted to say something shitty about a celebrity or an, an, someone you saw on TV or in a movie, you had to write them a letter. And most people were too fucking lazy to do that. And plus, they had to, right. they had to know your address. They had to figure out where to send the letter. Nowadays, it's like <laughs> everyone has access to you. Right. Instantly. Yeah. If you, le- if you let them, if, if you... If you read those tweets and, and, and those posts and those comments and articles and like I, I I'm one one thousandth as famous as you and I get that shit. You know, like I get people saying like you suck, you're not funny, you're ugly, you're old, you're you know, whatever. And you just Yeah, and I don't know, but it's like with me it's like if when I did see those things, uh, for whatever reason I would always give more attention to the bad stuff, right? Like, why... People said plenty of nice things about me, but of course, I, I wasn't... A, I, you know, like, it didn't help with how upset I was about the mean things. I think really. we all do that. I think that's a human so, trait. So then at some point... So at some point, I was just like, I'm just not. That's, I'm just not going to read any of that. So, so do, you not, do you not... You literally don't read it. Like, like you don't check your mentions on, on Twitter? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean... I think mentions, mostly mentions on Twitter, people are, are trying to speak to me directly. And if, if some ugly stuff comes through, I just, I, I, I do enjoy a good trolling of a person who trolls me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I've been known to go in on a few people on the Twitter, but only for a little while, and then I, I block them. Or usually I just block them right away. Unless they're really, really heinous, and then I just, and I have some time on my hands between scenes. <laughs> You know, it's it's like it's like doing jumping jack for me. If if Jimmy Kimmel asked you to read, 
if, if, me up. if Jimmy Kimmel asked you to read mean tweets about yourself on his show, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That always looks like fun nope. to me. None of us should ever take ourselves seriously enough not to be able to do that. Exactly. Well, you just mentioned 13 Reasons, yet another show that I was watching... And all of a sudden, I was like, holy fuck, there's Wilson Cruz as the lawyer on 13 Reasons. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Uh, like, out of the blue, like, so, so much has recently. Um, I, I think apparently, so I think they wanted me to come in to play one of the gay dads at one point, and it was like only a couple of lines, and I was like, oh, you know, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm, I don't want to do that. And so I passed on that. And then at like a couple of weeks, a few months, well, maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks later, uh, they were like, what about this, the, the lawyer on here? And I was like, now that's interesting, right? Like that's, I haven't done that. I haven't, I haven't done the lawyer thing. Um, and you got to wear those cute glasses. Good, those are my glasses. I have them on right now. They're adorable you. on you. Thank you. You look like, um, a, you look like so, a hot gay nerd. Well, you know, that's really who I am, to be honest. <laughs> uh, this is gay. The, the nerd part, anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I came out of, you know, they were like, you know, just, it, it made a lot of sense. Like, it, I, I felt like that was something I could bring a lot to before I even opened my mouth, right? Like, I, I think I can do something about, you know, school bullying and, <laughs> you know, uh, attempts at suicide, you know, well, that, in, in a way, it was it was iconic to have you there because uh, I think those of us who are my age or older remember Ricky, of course, from my so-called life. And so to now be going back to a high school um, yeah. where these teenagers are struggling with all of these issues of their own, these sort of and issues that, that yeah. some of which didn't exist when, when my so-called yeah. life was on the air. But it's like a reminder that teenagers have always struggled and teenagers have always felt pain and and bullying right that's what i mean like i didn't like i like you got that right away the moment i saw uh, you before i said anything right and so the other thing that was great was we kind of we kind of winked at it too brian yorkie the um creator of the show and the showrunner uh and i kind of he winked and i totally thought it was great uh when he gave me the last name vasquez on the show yes and it was our way of saying to the audience we know what you're thinking go right ahead right <laughs> you know what i mean like it's fine to think that. Um, and, and then just creating this lawyer who I think is, you know, really does care about the issue uh, of bullying, but, but also has his own ambitions and um, his own quirks. And I get, I get to explore a lot of that in the second season, um, which we're filming now. Oh, good. You're nice. coming back? Oh, yeah, I'm coming back. Yay. I have to say, you in were the, on, you were the only way. character on the show that I didn't hate. <laughs> like they're not likable characters for the most part, and well, and you, know, you you sort of I'm, I'm are like the back hero. In the second season, I'm coming back to second season. Uh, you'll have plenty of opportunity not uh, not to like me. No. I'm oh, good. No, that's exciting. Um, now, now I'll definitely watch the second season. I f- I have to tell you, I found the show really dark. Well, yeah, it is dark. I mean, God, the rapes <laughs> and the you were right. The, the suicide, and the, like I was like this. This show is a lot, but I couldn't stop watching. You know, it was it was right. really compelling, and and um, I thought well, some of the. Well, I have to say, go ahead. Those actors, I mean, those young people. I don't know where they found these young people, but I, they're they're amazing to watch work. And then um, I think these are 
there's a group of people that we're going to be talking about for years to come. I honestly believe that. Well, I think that's another thing the show has in common with my so-called life. I mean, I, I recently went back and rewatched all 19 episodes of so-called and wow, you all were so, you were just such stunningly good actors, every one of you. And, and it shows in, in the, in you know, the fact that so many of you have gone on to have hugely successful careers. Um, there was nothing phony about any of the performances of the kids on that show. And that was how I felt about a lot of the the kids on 13 reasons. I felt like, you know, yeah. this is, uh, this is, they're just being real. They're being true, yeah. true to what teenagers are like. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not overdoing it. Um, they're playing it really smartly. Um, and I don't know. I feel like, um, in, especially in this last few months with it, uh, I feel like I've learned some, I've, I've remembered stuff watching them and, uh, and it's I like, feel re- like reliving your past a curating, little bit, but also kind of curating this whole sense, uh, this this idea of um, re- reminding myself that so much of my job is really about listening, and so as playing a lawyer on a show, I've I've learned is also about listening. Yeah, and it's really activated um, that part of my my work again in in, in a in a really great way working with these. Amazing young actors, honestly. And you look damn good in that power suit. <laughs> you know, they, they, they were like, so, you know, because I was coming back to the second season, she was like, um, what, what should I get you? And I was like, just go to Theory and pick up everything they have. That'll just work right off the rack. <laughs> <laughs> and it does, honey. Now, the, the, the biggest, most breaking Wilson Cruz news of the last month has been that you have been cast in CBS... All access is upcoming series Star Trek Discovery. Come yes, on, you are going to be Doctor you know, Hugh Colbert. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's all <laughs> oh wait, our studio audience just had a delayed reaction. Oh, right. <laughs> um, you know, you, you guys are learning about it now, but I've actually been working on it since April, mm. and so um, you know, I've had to keep it under my my hood for this whole time. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, it's still surreal. Um, and I've actually been working on both shows at the same time. And Star Trek is, is up in Toronto, and um, Thirteen Reasons is up in the Bay Area. And so it's been a it's been a, um, uh, quite a a feat to get me to where I need to be um, at the right times. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed months. you've had, you have time for this bullshit interview because you're fucking busy. Well, it's you. Oh, and it's Sunday, and I usually, you know, if I'm home, I like to just shut it down on Sunday. So this is good. Are you usually naked when you do that? Oh, God. <laughs> Would you leave the poor All man right, alone? back to Star Trek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wilson, have you... I'll say this. I'll answer a question. How about that? If I'm home, I'm usually naked. Yes! <laughs> Picture that, listeners. Because I live alone. Because mm. I live alone. I don't know. Um, How is it that you haven't been snatched up yet? I can't. I can't imagine. Anyway, I can't imagine so, what the Wilson Cruz experience must be like. Um, no, I was going to ask you: uh, Have you been a Trekkie uh, in the past? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I knew obviously I knew about Star Trek. I didn't really start watching it until the Next Generation, and um, that's that was like the the 
the truck series for my generation, I feel like, or our generation. Um, and so I was, I was a big fan of that show, and then I went back and watched um, the original series, um, you know, after that. But, um, but yeah, I've always, I, I feel like I owe Star Trek in a lot of ways um, my kind of um, utopian ide- ideal for what the world really should look like. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a, a positive, you know, outlook that it, it gives you of the possibilities of what we could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, and even in light of the current political climate, I still believe we can get there. And God, I hope, you know, I hope Star Trek helps us remember, you know, this new series, um, helps us remember that, this is where we're, we're trying to get to, you know, where we're not afraid of each other, where we actually see each other in each other um, and, and understand that the only way we're going to survive as a species is if we actually hang on to each other instead of being afraid of each other or pitting each other against each other. It's like enough already. Yeah, absolutely. And you, of course, you know, the other side of this is that you are entering now a, a, a fan base that is probably the most rabid, loyal fan base of any franchise in the world, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to be doing Star Trek conventions for the rest of your life now. You do realize that. I, well, I went to my first. How was uh, that? On, it was, and people keep asking me, what was it like? And I was like, and the best possible word for it is intense. It's intense. Yeah, and people put a lot of energy into this, right? Like they spend money, they fly themselves out, they put themselves out, they create these costumes. They, you know, you have to admire that, you know, the 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 devotion. They're batshit uh, crazy. <laughs> no, they're really. Most of them are really just really excited and like Shade. really moved. <laughs> They're insane. But listen, they, they, they love something as, because of what you just described. They love something that's really beautiful. It's not like they're worshiping something dangerous or, right. or violent or, or, or that, that has a right. bad message. They, they're connecting to and something really, really feel, pure. Yeah, they really feel ownership over it, too. Which, you know, and it means a lot to them. Now, as Dr. I, as, I Dr. Totally as Dr. Hugh Colber, I haven't seen any pictures of you in your costume. Do you get to wear one of the Starfleet uniforms? Uh, have you seen the new Starfleet uniforms? No, I want you to. See the new ones? Oh, yeah, they're very new. You can see them online. Um, but uh, so it's a brand new uniform, and it is skin tight, mm. and everyone else wears, uh, you know, a navy blue, like base is the color of, of their uniform, and mine is white because I'm the doctor, so, you know, sterile, all that. Um, and it is tight and white. So let's I like just that. say it was a it was a wonderful incentive to get to the gym every morning. <laughs> yes, nobody wants to see the Michelin Man floating through space. Now I have to ask this question for the listeners: Do you mm. wear underwear under that costume? Yes, you do, and there's I no do. visible. Yeah, pad- I wear two. Well, the network was you know concerned about that with the design of the uniform, and there are two undergarments because of your giant schlong. Well, wasn't mine specifically. <laughs> Um, but just in general. So you're wearing. But that two- being said, we are we are not on broadcast TV. We are on a streaming service. Mm. So. So there could be some Wilson Cruz nudity in the future, is what you're saying. 
you know, everything's possible in the future. As well as some, as, <laughs> as well as some visible penis lines. Um, Wilson, we are out of time, but I want to mention also that you are in a, a new movie called After Louie starring Alan yeah. Cumming that has received great critical acclaim. So I want the listeners to uh, to see that movie, to see you in the yeah. second season of 13 Reasons, if they haven't already streamed the first, and to check you out in Star Trek Discovery. You are such a busy yeah. boy. I, I am. I'm very grateful to be working. And some, someday you'll be my husband, but, um, but that's to be continued. Wilson Everything Cruz, is possible in the future. I love you so much, and I always have. Thank you so much for, for doing this ridiculous radio show. And um, I, I love you back. I love you. I wish you luck with all of your, um, your, your future endeavors, and I hope to see you on TV, in movies, and in my bed for the next 25 years at least. Fair enough. Thank you so much. Thanks, honey. Be well. I really do. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Bye. the great Wilson Cruz from Los Angeles, and I am my, my seat is wet after talking to him. I got to be honest; <laughs> I love the man. Um, that was the Adam Sank Show. Thank you all for listening. Please tweet about us at hashtag Ass. Check me out on AdamSank.com and buy my comedy album Adam Sank Live from the Stonewall Inn, available on Amazon, iTunes, and wherever obscure comedy albums are sold. Uh, we will be back next week with a brand new ass. Our special guest will be pop culture expert Brian Balthazar, who will be talking about the Emmy Awards and why this year's Emmys are going to be the gayest ones ever. You will not want to miss that. I want to thank Jeff, Lexi, JB, and of course, as always, Katie for producing this beautiful show. Thank you for listening to The Ass. Have a great week, bitches.